Good evening, gentle listener, and welcome to Distractable. This week, it's poxes and pain, as Mark's stress threatens his very health. So let's show our love for our amazing friend. Wise Wade gets the gents to dig deeper than ever before, and Beaming Bob admits how future armor helped his heart and soul to grow. From the meaning of inner space to the hell of immortality, yes, it's time for You Ever Feel a Feel. Now sit back and prepare to be distracted and enjoy the show. And welcome back to another episode of Distractable. I'm today's host. This is Doubtfire. Hello. Hello, dear. I just wanted to throw you all off. <laughs> I'm not going to join in on this. This Hello. is nonsense. Hello. I come here for a serious podcasting experience and not to throw people off from the very beginning. You think they're going to go from the smooth, dulcet tones of Baltimore to Hello. I did it, but I ah, didn't. You did nah, it. Well, nah. well, put that right at the start. Oh, it's Mark's idea. <laughs> well, extend the O. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Seamless. Fine. You got me. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. How are you guys? I'll describe the podcast in a minute. We're already talking, so. Good. We're already talking? Oh, man. Don't sound so disappointed about it. I don't know why I'm doing this talking through my smile thing today, but that's where I'm at, apparently. I'm great. I believe you. I'm much better now. I was unhealthy last week. Yeah, you okay? Yeah, I am. Um, I came down with a very mysterious illness that I didn't talk about at all. Uh, it's a very, very, very serious. It can be. It can be. It can be. If not caught early. Uh, so same thing, but be more mysterious. One night, I woke up with a shooting, stabbing, burning pain arcing down my arm. Spiraled up and bounced from the tips of my fingers up to my shoulder and then down my side. I woke in agony, screaming at the top of my lungs, looking around the darkness of the room, trying to perceive what demon could possibly be causing this pain at this hour of the night. I don't believe in illnesses, <laughs> but I can't explain what I saw. Um, is that mysterious enough for you? You're making me sick, man. <laughs> I'm, we're just missing a quote the raven. Never more. And then I think we got it. Yes, yes, yes. And then came a knock, knock, knocking on my chamber door. Uh, shingles! <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, what? what? There came a knock, knock, knocking. You open the door, and I just picture a roof just standing there. Yeah. Shingles. I just... <laughs> no. I mean, is it... Isn't that like, doesn't that sound like something that's, oh, that's a funny, that's a funny illness. Yeah, it does. It has a silly name. That's just something that old people get. Oh, man, it's shit. Oh, silly olds. It's so <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Those goofy elderly, you know. We here at Distractable are not sponsored by us. It's it's something that I actually when I was looking up what it was because I didn't even really know what shingles was was like it's it's prevalence amongst uh, people uh, below 50 is actually going up. But uh, it's it's a resurgence of chicken pox. So if you got chicken pox as a kid, Bob, you have frozen in a creepy smile. <laughs> I, t I apparently it's my Internet. I, I you guys have been in and out. it's fine. It's fine. Uh, so I got shingles and it's a resurgence of the chicken pox virus. And at first I was like, oh, that's weird because it starts as nerve pain. That's actually how I noticed it first. And I was just very in tune and I got like, Bob, are you doing that on purpose? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, I'm just goofing around, goofing around. You were very still for me. I was like, man, that's really good. Drax would think he's invisible. Nerve pain, nerve pain, continue your hilarious illness. So I had like a nerve pain down my arm just because it's super weird. The way the chicken pox virus lays dormant in your system is it's only on one side of your body. So if you get shingles, it will only affect one side of your body in terms of the physical, like actually having a rash appear. Um, but it's full body, like tiredness and sickness. Um, it was so bad, like I couldn't sit at my computer and look at my computer screen I had to like lay on the couch like every once in a while it would come in waves so like an hour I'd be fine and then an hour later I'd just be like I lay down and I don't do anything besides laying down right now so very strange and it lasted for like a week um and it can last for up to a month and it can cause extremely serious complications if you don't catch it early enough 
Man, yeah, Mandy actually had shingles uh, when we were in undergrad, and it was she had it on her back was where like the rash was, and it was super painful because it was she couldn't like sit and lean against anything. Very, very painful, and it lasted I think for almost a month for her, and it can make you go blind because it does affect your nerves if you get it in your face area. It can like make you lose uh motor functioning in sensitive parts of your face or make you go blind it's crazy so funny thing about that it actually spread to my eye that's where it started to get serious so one day after i first got the antivirals you take those and then like the second day i noticed this weird burning in my eye and my right eye wasn't focusing correctly and Mm. so my whole head felt warm and i was like am i having a stroke or something this is this is weird and then um, I went to the doctor and like, yeah, you got you you caught this really early, man. Like, and I was like, thank you. Am I going to die? I'm totally fine now. Yeah, uh, they they got me hooked up with all kinds of meds, and then I I took my entire round of antivirals. And so yeah, that's just a thing, and it's apparently purely caused by stress, which is such a weird disease where it's like just don't get too stressed, or that can happen. And it's that's what shingles is. Because if you've had chickenpox, oh. I don't e- I don't know if you've had like the chickenpox vaccine. I don't know if it can come up from there. I think if you've been infected with chickenpox, I don't know if the vaccine works because yeah. it doesn't. You don't have the same dormant stuff in your body if you don't. I have- had the family that was like, "Oh, one of you has chickenpox. Let's introduce all of you to it, so you get it out of the way." So we had that happen when I was like four. Neat. That was very much what happened to me. That was. You've got shingles in you. Yep. Yay. So. Is, so the damage, could that have been permanent, like to your eye, if you hadn't treated it early enough? Would that? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's permanent yeah. blindness? or Okay. It, that's... Yeah, it can cause permanent nerve damage, and if it damages anything around your eye and whatever, it can be really serious. I think was I think David Letterman had shingles pretty bad on his, in his, like, face area. That was a yeah. long time ago, but it's like, hmm. it, can be, it can be pretty dangerous. I'm trying really hard to be relaxed about this right now. Yeah, just don't stress. Yeah, well, calm down, Wade. God. You really don't want to get stressed, man. That's like the worst thing to tell someone. It's like, don't stress about this or you might die. It's like, okay, I'm calm. I'm so calm. I'll never stress about anything. The more afraid you are of it, the worse it's going to be, man. Calm down. Calm down. Yeah, great. Man, what happy times. I'm glad you're good. Don't stress. Thanks. I'm not. I'm fine. Are you stressed? Yeah, I'm not stressed at all. I'm just... Hope not. You look a little stressed around your uh, your neck there on one side of your body. It's like whenever you're like freaking out about something, someone's like, oh, just calm down. It's like, I feel less calm at being told to calm. Like, yeah. I don't know. Just Oh, that works 100% of the time for me. Oh, That's all I need. Great. If I ever get, if I ever start to freak out, just look at me and be like, hey, calm down. And I'm immediately <laughs> just like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah. When people grab me by the shoulders and shake me really violently, like, calm down, calm. It slap you across the face. Yeah, slap me. Yeah, that really calms me right down. I love sarcasm. Sarcasm. I'm not being sarcastic. That's str- we that, got to be clear for some people out there. That that actually just works for me. I'm just that kind of person. Oh, not me. Don't do that. Anywho, uh, Mark, good small talk. You earned uh three. That all my shingles suffering was worth. <laughs> it was worth three, Mark. Isn't that worth it? You earned three. It's like part of building a roof with your shingles. Why is it called the same thing as roofing shingles? Because I always thought that maybe the rash looked like roofing shingle or something. But It's because in English, there are what are known as homophones. More you know. Oh, or something. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah. Every time you guys stand still, I think you're freezing again. Well, see, I can't I can't do it because my my background uh, also I've made. I don't know why, but I put in a moving light like a, a, I, I have a moving light. Literally right here on the edge of my. So when I do that, but if this is still glowy, it's it it it's the same. It, yeah, I this is my boar spear. I wanted it to. I wanted it to have like an ominous glow to the boar spear. Why do your lights move? It's a fire. Yeah, it's like oh. a little fire guy. It's just a little warmth. It used to be in a much better spot over here, but your background's great too. I love the gray. No, yeah, it's very cool. Well, it comes off. Please peel down a square right in the middle of your background and leave it perfect. Don't put it back. Dude, these command strips have done wonders. They've held up for like six years. Damn, that's great, man. Don't put it back. Don't. Don't do it. Leave Don't it. Put it back the wrong way. Oh, yes. I love that, actually. That's perfect. And everyone that's not watching the podcast, you're missing the most thrilling, uh-huh. the most thrilling video content 
This is your punishment for. Oh, he just he just ignored. He put it, it back. Didn't correct. stick because the command strips. I kind of forgot those are a crucial element to holding it up. It's not really in there good, though. Like, you can see it's crooked. Now the one next to it's a little... It's a little crooked. I don't know. It's it's not as funny yeah. as it could have been. Bob, great small talk. Have two. <laughs> My nothing was worth almost as much as your shingles, Mark. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, that's the hustle. That's what the hustle's all about. You know what, Mark? Have an extra one because you gave me a day off last week. Thanks for that. But what about my grind set, Wade? I've got such a grind set. That must be worth. I don't know what that means, but sure, have two more. But I'm, I'm right. wait a minute. I'm getting that bread, though. Oh, it's true. Have one. Oh, come on, gamer. Don't take that bag for me. Oh, you know what? Have six. Uh, uh, Welcome to the podcast where one uh, of us hosts and the other two compete for points. I probably should have mentioned that like an hour ago, but uh, we're here. And uh, today we've got a topic and I will tell them what it is. By the way, all the points I've given you out so far are worth nothing, and they're eliminated as of now. So. Oh. Wow, Mark, your shingles is worth nothing. My shingles is worth Your nothing. suffering is just for our enjoyment, you fool. I've spent the last however much time moving, and it's been awful. Me too, except across a whole country instead of 15 minutes away, so shut up. Have you been moving? We currently are staging our house to sell it, yes. We have a move oh. date schedule. Over the next month and a half, I will continuously be moving. Did you not see the chair in my background? This is to, tell, to sell the house. People will oh. look at the chair and be like, oh, cool, a chair fits there. I'm just going to show empty house because I don't feel like putting in the effort to stage. Wow, unbelievable. Yeah. Doesn't it cost money to buy stuff to stage a house? We're staging it with our own furniture. We're just like packing up and decluttering and then moving our own furniture around so that the room's... Oh, look. well, mine's already gone, so... <laughs> okay, well... Yeah, so you're done moving already and you're complaining about it still. Wow. We have one bed and a couch left, and so I could like just move those around to each room. The kitchen is just a bed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Oh, the dining room, a bed. <laughs> the family room, a bed. I do love that. I think that would be... I think you should do that for the photos. You should just have the same bed and couch in every room. And Michael Myers peering in from the back corner of the room. I should hide Elmo. I should hide Elmo in every photo. How many points do I get? Oh, five. All right. Mark, you want any points? Wait, are those valid points? Or are they... Are we, uh, have we... Have the points started? Has it happened? Uh, yeah, I actually typed these out, so those counted. Mark, you want some? I would love some. I suffered so greatly. At the hands of shingles. No, you already got points and lost him for that. You can't get more points. That's double jeopardy. Oh, he's right. No, he's right. I don't deserve any. Okay, zero. You got it. Uh, now it's five to zero, officially. Good call. <sighs> I guess I'm supposed to tell you guys the topic. I figured we would talk about something that we've talked about, but we haven't talked about specifically this aspect of it. We're all gamers here. And playing through uh, some games recently and watching some playthroughs of different games and stuff, I remembered, like the feelings that certain games and characters from games and shows and movies and stuff can kind of like have. And I want to talk about some of like the biggest moments that like shows or characters and shows, movies, games, how they've impacted us, like how they've made you feel or changed you over the years. There was one, for example, for me playing the game Summoner was like the first RPG I ever played. It was a PS2 launch title is the first real RPG I ever really spent much time on. That was like long drawn out story. And there's like a big spoilers. There's a big plot twist in the middle where you think like you're done with the game. If you're me, I was like, oh, my God, I'm finished with the game. And then you find out that instead of collecting four rings, they're supposed to be eight. And then like the main character's hand like burns off and he loses his power. And then he's like locked away and your, your party's divided up and you take over just one character. And this character has to go and like reunite people and stuff. Bro, spoilers. Spoilers, man. I said spoilers before. And it's fine. If you say spoiler, you're allowed to spoil <laughs> but the cutscene that happened and then the ensuing quest stuff like blew my mind i was like this is one of the most mind-blowing things i've ever experienced in game like it changed my perspective of what like gaming can be and it was just such a cool unique experience to have that and then like you know certain characters you go uh, you meet throughout games the last of us last of us part two those are games that have still stuck with me emotionally over the years i just want to talk about things like that they don't have to be like sad or whatever, just things that have like impacted your perception on either gaming shows, movies, or even life that have occurred in that kind of media. Oh man. Um, it's heavy. It takes a moment. If you guys need a moment to think about it, like, go no, it. no, no, no. With this dumb topic, I can think of some, it's so easy to come up with things. His, his silly, silly topics that he picks that we never take seriously. How shall we ruin Wade's day today, Bob? <laughs> you know, if my topics are so bad, why did you both rip me off for weird? 
Is this weird five? Is it time it's for not, weird? There's nothing weird about this one. It's not weird. <laughs> oh, what a strange, bizarre This one. is normal part one. Let us really embody the name of distractible and be distracted. Very normal part one. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Guys, I found another subscription. It's not even one. They keep coming. What? That's crazy. But that's okay, because I could use Rocket Money. Uh, <clears throat> Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money can help you have full control over subscriptions, have a clear view of your expenses. If there's anything in there that says, like, hey, please cancel this for me, don't press it. I'm going to go press all of those buttons. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash distractible. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash D-I-S-T-R-A-C-T-I-B-L-E. Rocketmoney.com slash distractible. You should get that, Mark. It's probably important. Oh, no way. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile. Everyone loves Mint Mobile, and it's time for more Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile. If you say a word too much, it doesn't sound like a word anymore. Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile. Did you know Mint Mobile has unlimited talk and text? Everyone knows Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows you can save with Mint Mobile. M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash distractible. Use distractible. Use the slash distractible. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash distractible. That's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash D-I-S-T-R-A-C-C-I-B-L-E. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month for the first three months only. Speed slower than 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, I have one. That's great. Go ahead, sir. Oh, okay. All right. I guess I'll go. Um, so this one, I, I don't know why this affected me so much. I may have alluded to this or mentioned it in the past, but when Mass Effect 3 came out, I was actually legitimately emotionally devastated and not for good reasons. At this point, like Mass Effect had been, was probably one of my favorite games of all time at this point. I don't think I could look back and say it still is, but I was so invested in it. I played Mass Effect 1 a ton, and then when Mass Effect 2 came out, that was the first game that I did a completionist run. I did everything yeah. you could possibly do in that game. I played every style, I played every quest, I got every DLC, and then after I was done with Mass Effect 2, I went back and did the same for Mass Effect 1 because I had fallen so much in love with it. And I completionist Mass Effect 1 for all of its like flaws, which definitely in the greater galactic exploration part of it was definitely flawed and a lot of repeat stuff everywhere. So you can imagine Mass Effect 3, I was so excited. Mass Effect 3 was finally coming out, it was going to conclude the story, it was going to be so big, there was going to be so many things, and for the majority of me playing through it, it was that experience. It was everything. I was just like, oh, you know, the, there's, a, there's this gif of like, you know, one of the, uh, the fucking meme faces just like at the couch. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Is there a more anticipated sequel than Mass Effect 3 after two, after two? Very few, very few, definitely. And I was I was in it. And then I got to the ending and it's never been such a calamitous shift in how I viewed a game than the ending of Mass Effect 3. And I remember when I got to it and I, I had played it up and I think I didn't do something right and I didn't get the green ending unlocked. And, and I, when I got there and I had all that happen and it was because, I don't know why, it was like, it was an ending. And it's, it's not so much that I, I was worried, spoilers, about Shepard 
sacrificing himself or dying or whatever. That's I was I expected that. It was just how bitter and unsatisfying it felt. I remember watching through the credits and just kind of crying. I think I actually cried because I'm like, this is not what it should be. This is not. No, no, like, no, after all this, this is what it is. Yeah, no, I was in tears. To put context around it, they they did a patch, like, however long later to, like, yes, change yeah. it up a little mm-hmm. bit. But the original thing was literally, like, the entire point of the Mass Effect trilogy, most of you probably know this, some of you that aren't gamers, maybe not, is it's all about choice and your choices impacting the story. The first game's choices impacting the second game, those choices impacting the third game. And it's all about all of these things that you do the companions you make and lose along the way, getting to the end. And the end of Mass Effect 3 spat on all of that. It threw out all of your companion stuff out of the, out the window. None of that mattered. And then you were presented with like three non-choices. I think it was three, three or four non-choices, really. And it was like, do you do one of these things? Which one? Great. This is how he dies. Uh, this probably happens. The end. And it, it is. It's like. So that thing I did didn't none, none of nothing made any difference. Like I get that it there couldn't be 10 million endings, but it was so there's your companions. Here's a quick shot. They're over there by the ship. All right, credits roll. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like I but I was that was my love interest and that was my buddy and that I am still I'm still a believer to this day in the indoctrination theory. I am <laughs> that, still that was the best theory to come from it. And that's what I'm like, If that's so clearly what they were going for. The visions for Shepard through it. Wait, what is that? You don't know about the indoctrinate? Oh, man. I'm not, I, I've, I played Mass Effect, but I'm not like a huge fan or anything. So I'm, I remember being really disappointed in the ending, not to the extent you were, but I don't know what the indoctrination theory is. The now. indoctrination theory, to give it in broad strokes, is the idea that Shepard up until this point had been so in contact with the Reapers. He was rebuilt in Mass Effect 2 with Reaper tech. Um, that he had been exposed to it so much and the entire series has showcased that any character, any character in the game that gets too close to the Reapers for too long starts to be controlled by them. It literally rebuilds them from the inside out um, just by being near them. Uh, Hmm. And Shepard had been near them for so long, had been fighting them, and in Mass Effect 3, it showcased he was having visions, nightmares, he was getting paranoid. The whole world, like the stress. Yeah, I got shingles from stress. He probably got super Reaper shingles. Space shingles. Reaper shingles. shingles. And then, uh, so he, the theory was that throughout the game, he was actually being influenced by the Reapers and that the ending was something where he was being subconsciously affected by it and his judgment was being thrown off and him communicating with the so-called Star Child, whatever that was called, was just another way for the Reapers to try to convince Shepard to get on their side because that's what happens to all of these uh, people that get indoctrinated, they eventually get convinced that helping the Reapers is the right move. They think they're destroying the Reapers, but they're really just playing into their hands. And so the only canon ending is the destroy ending, because that's the only one that actually has the original attended goal, which is to destroy the Reapers, because there is no goodness in this. Synthesis is not the correct thing, because that is just what the Reapers wanted. It wanted everyone to be synthesized into uh, Reaper tech. That is what the Reapers want. Um, the whole other one, whatever the blue one, I never did the blue one. <laughs> that was dumb. Uh, it was what? Control, uh, blend, destroy. But destroy was the only one that was correct, and the only one that had a cutscene where Shepard took a breath afterwards and survived. And so even with him and Anderson and somehow getting up to the Citadel uh, with all of this, it didn't make any sense unless you think of it from the indoctrination angle. And so I am still, to this day, a big believer in the indoctrination theory. Mass Effect 3 gets a bad rap because of the ending. It was a good game up until... It really was. I loved a lot of the things they did for the gameplay. I liked a lot of the, the, it was very rich, very deep, even though I knew that they couldn't like do everything because obviously like it would take so much to wrap up everything perfectly. And I knew there was always going to be concessions, but at the same time, it just felt so wrong and it felt so cheap considering there was this brilliant, brilliant twist they could have had with the indoctrination angle if they had gone more into in depth with this. Um, because it was always going to be like a hopeless struggle. No race had ever succeeded against the the Reapers up until this point, and it's like, man, it could have been, it could have been something really. It's like the last hour of the game, it's like maybe not even an hour, it might have been shorter than that. But 
it was a whole lot of like awesomeness and then you get to like mass effect 2 is still probably one of the best games of all time yeah i i love that game but i can't go back and play it. it's like with uh you know game of thrones is like the ending got tainted i like the whole Same. rest of it i got the legendary edition i started playing through it and i was just like my heart's not in it because i know where this how this journey ends that being said there is another mass effect in the works and i am getting a little bit excited about it i am i am i am cautiously excited about it. andromeda i didn't get into because i was still left, left over and i couldn't get into this new character it wasn't as bad as the its reputation it was it's fine the gameplay was fine but it's like i couldn't get into the characters is like just because yeah that was it Mass Effect, that's a good one. That's one I should have thought of, but I didn't put on my list. Bob, have you got a moment, a character, a show, something? I do. It is not a video game. It is from a show. One of my favorite uh, TV series in existence. Uh, and it's it's a character, but it's also sort of just an episode. I am a huge Futurama fan. I have watched the entire Futurama series end-to-end all of the uh, mid-cancellation, you know, like, mega-episode-type things that they did, and, like, I love it. I generally love all of Futurama, everything that it has to offer. I'm genuinely excited for the reboot that is coming from Hulu, potentially. Is the, a reboot? The, it's, it's, yeah, that. it's not like, it's, it's like the original cast, right? They, they locked out, there was some trouble, we talked about this, I think. They were having trouble getting John DiMaggio, the voice of Bender... Well, the voice of like everybody isn't isn't he the well voice yeah of... i mean he was one of the guys who filled the he did a lot of voices on the show for like background we did talk about this because i thought they tried to recast him right and people were very upset about it well yeah he he asked he he had some asks right he asked for more money because he's bender and is mm-hmm. kind of a core component of the show and they were trying not to pay him and i think they ended up agreeing to something but yeah like i'm a huge futurama fan but there's one episode that literally if I hear the first notes of the song that's sort of like the the end song of the episode, or even if I see the beginning of the episode, which is unrelated to the part, it makes me sad to the point where I, I like start crying uncontrollably to the point where right now, just to think about it, to remember it, to tell you guys about it, I'm like holding it in because it is one of the most, for me, for whatever reason, personally impactful things i've ever seen and it is the episode of uh futurama where they it starts with them going to a museum of uh like 21st century or 20th century artifacts or whatever fry's dog is petrified and is in the museum his dog's name is seymour uh and the episode is sort of like a partial flashback fry is trying to get his dog back and there's a whole thing but it, it shows their relationship and it shows what happens at the actual start of the TV show Futurama is in the year 2000, Fry is accidentally, maybe not accidentally, frozen and sent a thousand years into the future. And that's why, where he is during the TV show is the year 3000 and forward. Jurassic Bark might be the name of it. I think that sounds right. But anyway, his, they show his dog and the, when Fry gets frozen, there's a scene where Seymour just like lays outside the pizzeria where Fry works and waits for him and there's a song that plays called i will wait for you by connie francis um it's gonna make me cry i was gonna read the lyrics but i can't look it up it's a very sweet song it's like an old song so it's not it's not the song itself but it's the whole episode Mm -hmm. it's the the you know it's it's a oh man that is and it's so sad because uh you you heard that like the original one was going the original idea was going to be uh his mom was actually like there and honestly i think like jurassic bark was was sadder because of how it did but then they did an episode with his mom later and then they did an episode with his brother and it's like there's so many moments in futurama that had like just like man just so sad and heartfelt yeah no the one with his mom too that one gets me too that so futurama if you don't know it you should absolutely check it out it's ridiculous yeah it's like it's in the same vein of shows as like the Simpsons, Family Guy. It's an animated show. It's not at all the same kind of humor. They're actually their humor is incredibly smart and and like hilariously deep a lot of the time. There's there's a language they invented for the show. And they have like PhDs, people who have PhDs in like math and science check the math and science stuff that they do on the show. It's all nonsense, but it's all like kind of true or kind of accurate or whatever. Like it's very funny, very smart, but that the the Seymour episode is the one that hits me the hardest, but the one with his mom 
where they're exploring his dreams Mm -hmm. is also just like it is one of the Futurama is simultaneously the stupidest show one of the stupidest shows in like a funny way that I appreciate I've ever watched and one of the shows that has most effectively emotionally just destroys me on certain episodes and it's I think that is crazy because I'm I've never been like a snob where it's like oh well animated shows are just for kids we've talked about that before like I think animated shows are very legitimate and I think they could do a lot of serious stuff and have very serious themes but also be silly. But the way Futurama did that, and like the one of the, I think it's the last episode with the time travel button. Yeah. Where Fry's waiting for Leela on the top of the Vampire State Building. There's a time travel loop where he's falling off the building to his death. Like there's, there are just so many moments in that show that are like emotionally so poignant and just absolutely stab me right in the heart. That was the beginning of like some of my emotional development as an adult. Because mm-hmm. I would watch that show and it would make me so sad and feel so so strongly about things that I was like, whoa, what the hell? what is this? Nothing has made me feel quite this way. And this is a stupid animated show that airs Sunday nights on Fox right after The Simpsons. Like, it's just, a, I think it's an interesting piece of like, just absolutely brilliant storytelling wrapped in a really stupid, really dumbed, you know, wrapper of lowbrow animated humor type stuff. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And and actually it's that final episode about the idea of like let's go around and do it again because it was worth doing it again. That was one of the inspirations for the way I designed in space with Markiplier to mm. be a constant loop that you can experience again and and the only idea is like a meta analysis of like watching content in general. The only idea to truly escape the loop is to say goodbye to the show in general because that's what people do when they're done watching. But the idea with the space was like you choose when you're done watching and it's like if it's good enough and you want to do it again, you can go through it again. And it's like that's the idea behind it. It was also supposed to offer an antithesis and a a cleanser, a palate cleanser to Unus Honest, which was like things also end when you don't want them to. Um, So space was in a way intended to be a thing where it's like, no, you can choose when you end it. I could totally see that. And that's very interesting because, yeah, that that at the end of that episode where Fry and Leela have lived their whole lives and then they the professor shows up or whatever. And I forget. I think Leela says it right. She looks at him and she just goes, you want to go around again? Yeah. And then it's just like a hard reset on everything, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating because the show is coming back. They're making more episodes of it. Right. And that's how the series ended. So I'm I'm hoping they they start back at the year 3000 and it's like a whole reboot where it's literally just continuing in that timeline where they go around again. But who knows? Yeah. I mean, that show and the writing and the storytelling in general, it's just like it has taught me a lot about emotions and processing stuff and the complexities of life, even though it's an absolutely silly nonsense show. I feel like those kinds of shows, though, whenever they do make an emotional impact, they're even bigger because you're not expecting it. Mm. It's not like a drama where it's always tugging at you and like, oh, what's going to happen now? It's like a silly show that starts to take itself seriously in those moments. It's like it makes you take it that much more seriously, if that makes sense. It's a really, really good one. And there's a lot of shows like that. And it it's one of those shows that kind of I love the idea that the show can be anything. The show is just a vehicle for a story and a story can have anything it could be incredibly stupid and a lot of my things are incredibly stupid but also like incredibly meaningful so it's like in a weird way even i i knew that it was inspired a little bit by futurama but i think like in space markiplier is also very much inspired by the way that futurama tells stories and that is extremely silly at times and extremely ridiculous and then extremely serious and because that's what the story demands and it's like the story above all else and the vehicle for the story is something else I got a couple, I won't go too deep into them just for the sake of time, but there's an episode of Star Trek Next Generation, I think it's called The Inner Light, where they find like, I think it's like a box out in space or something, and Picard finds like a, a device, a flute or something, I forget exactly how it happens, but he ends up on a planet that's basically dying, and he lives out like an entire lifetime as a member of this planet, but it's like part of some kind of like fancy simulation thing they have, but it's like this emotional journey of him like growing up, having a family and all this other stuff happening. And then like at the end of it, when the simulation ends, he comes back too. but he has like this lifetime of memories of living on the planet. That was one that stuck with me. Um, this one, I don't want to go t- too deep into because it's still relatively new. I don't want to spoil things. But the Last of Us show, they changed up things from the game to some extent. The third episode, I think it is, or one of the earlier episodes mm-hmm. of the Last of Us show, compl- like it 
was such a 180 departure from what I was expecting. The Bill episode, right? The Bill and Kevin? Long, long time, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Bill episode was so different than any expectation I ever could have had. And it's probably one of the best episodes of any show I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I don't want to go too deep because it's still relatively new. Like I said, I don't know if you both have watched it, but it's worth the whole series is worth watching. But I have to agree that episode is one where the theme of the episode is very dramatic. Like you said, some things are meant that way. And like the show is dramatic, right? It's post-apocalyptic sort of thing. Yeah. But that episode is very beautiful. The the way the story is told and the way everything lays out and the the moment that happens later in the series that ties back to that episode too where um Joel and Ellie visit that location to to try not mm. to spoil too much it's just like brings it all back very poignantly I hundred percent agree it's a fantastic yeah. episode that's one I don't watch a lot of reaction type content that's one I went and I watched everyone who reacted to it just to see, like, I don't know. I, I had to. <laughs> I was like, I must know. I must share the pain with someone else. Please, someone else watch this. But wait, that's piracy. <laughs> no, it's, it's transformative content. <laughs> you goddamn right it is. Yeah, <laughs> legally protected. <laughs> Fair use. It's it's excellent, excellent television. I highly recommend. Uh, I'd love to talk about it more, but again, I don't, it was... But it's not your episode. We're the contestants here, and we decide what true. our emotional responses are. Not you! That's true. Um, There was a... I don't know why. And you guys know that I like Frostpunk. You guys yeah. know this, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you know how many hours I have put into that game? I can't imagine, because even games that you only kind of like, you will sometimes put hundreds of hours in over the course of a couple of weeks. Yeah, so if you add up, like, the gameplay just to beat it once for Frostpunk, even with all the DLC, it's, like, maybe 10 hours to, if you, because you gotta learn it, and you gotta get better at it, and, you know, if you want to play a couple hard modes. I've put 423 hours into Frostpunk. Three hours too many, but go on. <laughs> and I really, really fell in love with the despair and i don't know why but i got so incredibly addicted to the feeling of desperation that it it brings about and so what caused me to spend so much time with it is that i had to play every scenario at the absolute hardest difficulty with no deaths i made it through every single scenario of every single challenge at the hardest level and no one died because that's for some reason i set that as my goal i would make it um and for some of them it's it's really difficult there are like planned deaths in certain scenarios but there are workarounds for almost every single one of those <laughs> but you have to do it in really specific ways and i i got obscenely good at the game like absurdly good at the micromanagement and uh it's just because i love a game whose soundtrack whose theming whose like uh stylization even in the the user interface of it was just it oozes despair it oozes one note of a feeling and i am a very feeling based like creator i i make my projects with the idea that there is a specific feeling that i want people to have and experience when they when they watch it um and this game is just like such a good example of what hits that one feeling and i respect the hell out of one like that's why doom is such a good game because it, it it when the remake came out and it really embodied one feeling of you're not locked in hell hell is locked in with you and that feeling of badassness like it really really comes through in that game but for this one it's like you are up against nature and there is no more powerful enemy than nature and it's trying to kill you at every turn. That, but it's that feeling. And this, it is the music. It's the music. It's the sound. It's the theming. It's the interface. It's everything. It's the way the ice and you hear the crackling, the deep rumbling, the sound effect. And so much that so many people don't understand is it's not just like the writing has to be great. That's a good part of it. But in all honesty, like the writing of Frostpunk isn't like it's super strong. See, it's great and it's, it's terrible and everything happens, but it's the sound. It's the music, it's the emotions that come through in every yeah. note of it, in every little detail of it. It's the attention to detail, and that's, oh man, it's something you can't teach. Oh, that's fair. I, I think a big reason why that Last of Us episode is part of the music and stuff that they use in that is just, like, so good. Yeah, it's just right. And when it's right, it's, oh. It's something you can't, you can't physically, like, write in words the description of exactly why it is. I couldn't even talk about it in the right way. It's something that when you feel it, you know it's right. And that's how I kind of guide myself in the content that I make is like when I feel it, 
when I feel the feeling that I want to feel. And it, I watch it back and it's like, okay, that's giving that feeling. That's how I know it's right. Bob, you got another? Uh, I do. This one, this one is old. I saw this for the first time when I was like, maybe middle school, I want to say. Uh, and the song, so it's a song and it's an animation to a song. And it's a little cliche. So I'm, I was a white kid in suburbia growing up. So the song is Creep by Radiohead, which I think yeah. a lot of, you know, a lot of people who are like me probably relate to. And like, I like the song. I like Radiohead, especially when I was younger. But there specifically is this animation. It's a flash animation. I think it's called Low Morale. And I don't remember who made it. It's, it's, I found it on a YouTube channel called Buscuse Me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know if this is a re-upload or what I, I'm in my quick searching while you guys were talking about Mark's thing. I, I couldn't find for sure what is like the original one, but it's a flash animation and it's not a particularly complex visual. It's sort of a concept from beginning to end of the song. The first time I saw this animation to this song, which I already knew the song and I like the song, it made, it has such a visceral, emotional response for me and like the animation is basically mostly this guy standing and like a scene develops around him very slowly it's like an office things fill in people fill in and it goes it, it eventually like the outside wall of the building fills in and it uh, he moves at some point and then everything fades away as the song ends i don't know i can't even today put exactly what it is into words but this was one of the first things i ever saw where it was I've always been emotionally most attracted to like music. I've been a musician and like music is a, is one of the strongest things for me that can trigger responses, emotional responses. But this was the first time I saw a song I knew with a new visual that like changed how I felt about the song. And it's still in a way I can't had struggle to describe. It still like speaks to me very clearly. It has a very concise message and it makes me feel like just real despair, like in a way that I haven't really experienced in my own life. It's not something where I'm drawing on like some event that I am sad about, but it makes me feel super like just pure despair is the mm-hmm. way I would describe it in a very emotionally pure sort of way. Uh-huh. And um, it's worth watching. It's four minutes, 22 seconds. It's I think it's basically as long as the song is. And if you don't know the song Creep by Radiohead, it's a it's kind of a sad emotional song to begin with. But just this I first encountered it in like rock band or guitar hero, I think. And yeah, that, that was one of the ones that stuck out when I was playing it, I remember. Because the best music and stuff is the one that you emotionally attach to for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's just this relatively like simple concept and simply done animation added so much to the song and it it's not, it doesn't connect to my life. It, I have no personal connection to the lyrics or the animation, but it was, it's one of those things where it has stuck with me. I saw this probably in like 2001 or something the first time, and I think about it a lot. It comes up a lot whenever I think about Radiohead, whenever I think about Flash animation. This is one of the things that like defines a successful execution of something that's just very emotional and raw and engaging to me. Yeah. I'd say that like it's it's so it's so funny because I remember in the Newgrounds days, um, there were so many little flash animations that you would watch and it was just a pure showcase of individuals creating something. And I think like even before YouTube was there, that was like my first experience with people being able to make some things. And there were some really, really profound experiences that you would get out of those creations. Um, I can't think of too many specifically off the top of my head, because most of what I was watching was like supposed to be funny or silly. Um, but there were definitely moments when things just like hit me really, really, really impacted me um, in terms of a beautiful art standpoint. And I wish that I could think of some like super specific example. The only one that comes up is is actually a scary one um, because it's that game that I can never remember what it was called. But I, I talk about, you know, not a lot, but on occasion where it was something based off of the idea that the rapture happened. It adds like some religious theming to it, but it's like it was the end of the world. And now if you were stuck on Earth, you couldn't die ever. And it, it was like it, the concept at the beginning of the game was like, oh, it's just like a little point and click puzzle adventure. But towards the end of it, you realize just how horrible it was when you had like 
people around you that had died that you thought were dead dead um but then you come back and there's a pile of meat on the ground and it's just quivering and it's like and you're like wait a minute oh you can't oh god so and then there's like different things and towards the end of it you have like i don't know a friend or a boyfriend i can't remember what it was you play like a female character and then and then you shoot them because they're suffering and even after you shoot them in the head they are still moving and twitching and still alive and it was it was so horrific that it, it's it's stuck with i still remember it to this day and i played it so long ago and i can't remember what the name of it was but i remember so many parts of that game like i can i can recall it specifically certain frames like the stupid rc mini game trying to navigate this minefield that was for some reason there to get some item that you needed for some other thing i remember the ending frames i remember the quivering piles of meat outside of some industrial comp it's like it's stuck in my brain it it impacted so hard and I can't remember the name. <sighs> Guess they should have worked the name in more. Should have had more characters saying the name. Yeah, maybe it was for some reason. I think it was based on like uh, Stephen King's like The Fog or something like that, or The Mist or something. I could see that Stephen King was pretty creepy. <laughs> okay, pretty creepy. Yeah, he's a creepy guy. Yeah, creepy guy. Dude, Bill Skarsgård as it is oh, so good. His lip control. I wish. I wish I had the muscle control in my face. Like Jim Carrey and uh and Skarsgård, man, the way they can control facial muscle muscles, I'm so jealous of that. I want to go I want to like trace where this train of thought is going through Wade's head. I want to I want to trace <laughs> how well, creepy to talented because the, they can do creepy things because they're so talented and it's just such a creepy thing like being able to manipulate yourself that way and be that creepy. Go back. Mm-hmm. One more. I'll, I'll connect back. Connect, and that's why the Stephen King's the movies and books maybe inspired creepy things like the game you were talking about. Connect, connect. Ten points to me. <laughs> I just want to point out that none of the things that you tangented to three times, I didn't say any of them. It was like you. I just marveled at the fact that you bounced. You like a creepy to Stephen King to it to Bill to Bill Skarsgård to it. And then to Jim Carrey. You did the Stephen King. You said Stephen King's The Fog. No, yeah, you said Stephen King. Yeah, I did. That's true. That's true. Five more points to me. And You're then right. you said Stephen King was creepy. <laughs> I'm like, Stephen King's not creepy. And then you went, other creepy people are Bill Skarsgård. It, Jim Carrey, facial expressions. He's so good. Well, it is a... Jim uh, Jim Carrey. It is a Stephen King. It's a Jim King. Carrey book, right? No, no, you're weird. You're weird. Got it, Mark. Good one. All right, well, I'm going to wrap this up unless you guys have any final ones you want to mention before uh, we, we I do. guess it just strikes me that all my stuff I'm thinking of is all sad. It's all, like, painful, sad. Those stick with you. Maybe I have that thing where I'm, you know, I'm a privileged kid who grew up with no serious strife, and so uh, I'm a, I'm attracted to stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, I feel that pain. I feel that. That's real pain. Mm. I don't know. But, like, I don't have happy stuff this is true pain this is not as big of a deal there is a song that literally got me through law school where i would put it on on my drive from school back to home and like sing it's it has no words it's an instrumental it's called it's the song is called vip by young blood brass band but i would literally like sing along every note of it and like cry it out on my way home from law school and then by the time i got home i was like oh okay i can do this but the, it's just like the happiest song ever. You need a joyful song. VIP and Blood Brass Band. So I do have happy ones. Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson is one of those songs where I can just listen to it and it like uplifts me. And it's like by the end of it, I'm like, okay, I'm feeling better. Rock Band ruined that for me. But yes. I love playing it on Rock Band. What do you mean it ruined it? I, that was my favorite. I played, played it too many times on Rock oh, Band. Okay. Whatever I hear. No, that's Jessica. Is that Jessica? I think, I don't know. I don't remember that particular. It's... I, they all blend together. Rock Band ruins so much stuff for me. It all blends together. Let's do Dover was, was the one that was like. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Too much Rock Band. Or Guitar Hero, whatever game that was in. Yeah. I, I think sad stuff sticks with us a lot. I internalized a lot of emotions growing up, like losing my dad and such. Like a lot of that stuff was just, I internalized it. It's like my family was going through a hard time and I felt like I would be strong enough to deal with it and help them get through it rather than worrying about myself. And I think whenever you encounter sad shows or songs or things, that's like a moment where it's like, I finally let it out, which is probably why they stick with me some. Because a lot of the things that I think of are also like sad or usually sad or despair type moments too. Any more final examples before I wrap this puppy up? No. No. 
that's all the good art in the world. I think we covered it. We covered all of the best moments. Man, worst moments, toughest moments. That's the only, those are the only good arts, okay? We got, we touched on all the important ones. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, I, I can't wait to see what people say. I'm, I'm curious what examples they'll have that we didn't mention. I'm sure we'll think of more later. I know, I post your, post your stuff in the subreddit. I want to go through and watch everything that people post, because I'm sure yeah. at least some of it I will appreciate. And Yeah, what has touched your soul? Give me the content. Um, you go to a museum. It's like I want your best content. Give me your content. <laughs> what kind of content you got here? Uh, well, sir, we we actually do have the Picasso exhibit on right now. Is that good content? <laughs> What's this drama? What kind of what kind of what kind of horrible things have you done? I can't I can't enjoy a content creator like Picasso unless I know I know their history. <laughs> yeah, a content creator, <laughs> dude. Da Vinci is my favorite content creator. God, <laughs> telling content creators knew what's up, man. Freaking dang, you know? I'm adding up the points here, and it looks like Mark has one more point than Bob. And it's golf score, so Bob wins! Was it the shingles? Coin flip? No coin flips. We're, we've banned coin flips. They are no longer valid. Mark has to take his boar spear and throw it straight up in the air, and if he can survive, he wins. Uh, well, there's not much air to go up, and I also disagree. Not my problem. I don't want to. Most emotionally impactful distractible watching Markiplier swallow a spear. I say no. <laughs> All right, whatever. Well, Mark wins. Mark, give winner speech. Why do you sound sad? What? <laughs> God damn it, Mark won. I'm sad any time that I don't win, because I have to give it over to one of you. All right, well, you... Well... Uh, Alright, I guess. I love you, and I love me, and all of us make the distractable three, and we won't be beat ever in the street, because people love the size of our meat. Eat your meat, everyone. Yay. Bob, you have a loser speech. Do they have to rhyme or? Uh, uh, you get bonus points if it rhymes. It, it feels so sad to be a loser, but you know what they say. Beggars can't be choosers. Maybe someday I'll redeem myself, but for now I shall put my mind upon the shelf. I could never match Mark's wit and charm and also his ability to commit bodily harm. I concede this victory. He earned it indeed. And now I retreat on my trusty steed. Man, we're on fire today. 16 bonus points, but you still lose. But I win! I was only down by one! How many uh, what's rounds the bonus over? They're, they're oh. bonus points that are worth okay. basically nothing, but they're they're here for moral support. Well, I, that's a moral victory for Bob. Very valid. Very valid. Uh, thank you all for being here for the journey. If you haven't already, go follow Mark Markiplier, Bob Myskerm, I'm Wade, Lord Minion 777 or Minion 777, store.distractiblepodcast.com. There's at least one thing in stock. Confirmed. Huh? Okay, well, there you go. And I guess stay tuned for the next one where Mark will host. Until then, podcast out. <laughs>